I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho, ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number three. The Padres are doing, um, taking, doing cut off the relays tomorrow. <laughs> nice. In September, dude. Are you guys gonna do pop up concert? Oh my god, bro. It's so miserable, man. It's insane. Well, did you hear they're calling up Andy for could not, Andy could not be any worse than he is right now. Dude. Hey, I got a uh, mini for you, Grubby. What'd you say, call? Streaming. Streaming. And welcome back, everybody, to the 5.5 Podcast. After a week off, we are back, recharged, and ready to leak. Eric, how's it going? Yeah, ready to leak, for sure, man. Uh, um, dude, I'm, I'm re-energized, I'm reinvigorated. That's right, uh, got some I, sleep. Yeah, I feel great, man. You know, much needed week off of not recording for an hour. Man, <laughs> it, was, it was so needed. You know, we're sitting there, and, and we're like, man... I'm so I'm so done with this season, dude. I'm burnt out. I'm like, I don't even want to fucking do this next week. And Danny's like, great. I'm glad you said that because I didn't want to do it either. <laughs> as so, soon as we went off the air, and I'm so like, we, God, uh, thank goodness. Yeah, so we, we took the week off, and sure as shit, they announced on, what, Monday or Tuesday, Monday last week that uh, Luis Arias got the call. You actually broke it to me when uh, we were talking, and I'm like, God, thank God that I'm not <laughs> driving over and that we're not doing a podcast today. And literally like an hour later... Well, I guess Urias is getting called up today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the day of, nonetheless. But yeah, it's quite all right. Um, taking the week off has been nice. It's given us some stuff to talk about. We don't have to scrape the barrel or <laughs> shit on Freddie Galvis anymore. By the way, your host Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric Laboo. Um, let's get into this Will Myers stuff because uh, that's the big topic so far this week. Is that uh, apparently I have no idea how Fortnite works, but. <laughs> Apparently, it's a live streaming game. You play it online like any other game, and Will Myers and Aswahe were on the same feed, and uh, Aswahe happened to be streaming, and Myers said some not-so-encouraging words about Andy Green. Yeah, you guys heard it there in the, in the open. So, Fortnite, I never got into Fortnite. I stopped playing video games years ago. Um, but yeah, so they do this thing called Twitch, and of course, Aswahe is the biggest gamer on the team. Um, so he records. Maybe if he focused on his game in the field instead of his game on Fortnite. So he, they, what Twitch is, is it streams you playing live. So what's out there is out there. It's not like he records it and then posts it. So that's why this got out. Yeah. So he, you know, Myers doesn't think that's being streamed or anything. So he's just kind of cutting loose. And that's when you hear him. He's like, oh, dude, bro, it's so miserable. <laughs> he's like, it's so miserable. Dude, Andy couldn't get any worse than he is right now. I thought that was hilarious, dude. And of course, on Twitter, everyone loses their shit. Oh, I People know. People who already have their mind made up on Myers, this is just like... Oh, I, I mentioned This it. is like nose candy to them, dude. They're snorting it all up. Oh, I mentioned it. I'm like, can you imagine all the fucking anti-Myers guys? They're all falling off the couch trying to suck their own dicks. Yeah. Hearing this news, they're like, I knew it, I knew it. Yeah. He's a malcontent. He's not a leader. Look, God. guys, we all bitch about work, right? I couldn't wait to get off of work today, and I got off early. <laughs> I even told my supervisor, big Padre fan, I told him flat out. Yeah, I complain about you when I'm not at work because that's what everybody does. It's natural. It's yeah. September. This team fucking sucks. Myers has played three different positions this year. No. Actually, four, I think. Has he appeared at first base yet? 
Um, I'm sure he was over there for a game or so two. So he's played four different positions. He's been all over the place. He's been hurt. They're fucking awful. It's been a terrible year. Of course he's going to be bitching. They're doing relays and shit at the end of the year when none of these games actually matter. I don't blame him. He's probably burnt out. Well, that's the thing. It's like Myers in his comments gave the haters, I'll call them the haters, yeah. gave the haters an inch and they took a fucking country gave mile. Gave a lot of juice right? to go off of. So he's sitting there and he's bitching about practicing relays. Relays. Basic relays that you learn in Little League. Okay? He's bitching about that in September, which is completely completely okay by me. Why the fuck does Andy Green have them out there doing relays in September? And when people hear and that, cutoffs. when people hear that, they go, they go, oh, he he's moving to a new position. He needs all the work he can get. He needs to be out there taking ground balls. He's not bitching about ground balls. You know what happened? Um, what, what have we seen multiple times, video of him, hours before the game, taking ground balls at third base. <laughs> taking ground balls at third base, working on it. He took a ball to the fucking face, and he missed the game. Why? Because he was taking ground balls at third base, okay? The guy's not bitching about having to learn a new position. He's bitching about having to do relays in September. And Andy Green making them do relays in September is the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard. Anyone who is 12 years old and older, I guarantee every single player that was at Williamsport, Pennsylvania for Little League World Series can execute a fucking relay. Now, if, you're to, major, uh, if you're at the major league level, you have plenty baseball IQ. You have more than enough baseball IQ to know how a fucking relay works. 100% agreed. I have no problem with what Will Myers said. Neither, Absolutely not. Neither do I. Here's the thing. For those who can't visualize... A relay, you basically line up, I think it's like... Don't insult their intelligence. Just to if say... If they're listening to our show, they know enough baseball to know what a relay is. Maybe. Look but at you. Let's, let's... Well, here. Well, then I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate it just to show how elementary... Get over yourself. It is. It's a waste. You have four to five guys lined up in a fucking line throwing the ball to each other back and forth. Yeah. It is an, it's such an elementary drill that... To me, I don't know why the fucking outfielder would be in the middle of a relay line. That's a waste of fucking time. And you're right. He takes ground balls every fucking day. He got hurt taking a ground ball off the schnoz because he was out there early during BP. Yeah. Instead of just shagging fly balls and fucking around like most people do. Well, I mean, he's out. Th- he's a third baseman now. Sure. So, of course, he's taking ground balls. Mariano Rivera was fucking around shagging but fly he balls. Has, I mean, he spent plenty of time out there working on his craft to get better. And whether, yeah. whether you think it's a failed experiment to this point or not... I mean, that's on you. Fair. But the point is, all he's doing at third base as the relays is if he's sitting there, if the re- All right, guys, go three. He's standing at third and catching the ball. Okay? If there's a play at the plate, the third baseman only takes the relays, despite what you may see at our adult games if you come out. <laughs> you mean the pitcher doesn't take it? The third baseman only takes the relays from the left fielder. So what he's doing is he's turning around, he's throwing his hands up, Austin Hedges saying, right, right, left, left. He's lining up. <laughs> He's turning, <laughs> catching the ball, and throwing it to Hedges. <laughs> it is stupid, and it is fucking pointless. <laughs> Especially where this team's at in September. It is completely pointless. I love the Hedges. <laughs> right, right, left, left. That's all he's doing. That's all he's doing, man. And uh, that's why when I hear Myers doing that, I'm like, dude, like I don't care. I would bitch about it, too. He's probably know? just frustrated. Like I said, they're a shitty team, and they had like one mediocre month, and all of a sudden they just fucking tanked yeah. to the point to where I haven't checked the standings in a while, but I'm pretty sure that they're I'm pretty sure they're a lock for the top five pick well, it's, at it's, the very least. Yeah, it's like you said. It's so miserable, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just, it's, no one likes to lose, and they're losing a shit ton. And, and he's having a solid year. There's a third voice in that, and... 
I'm, I'm not sure who that third voice is, but he, he chimed in. And he's like, oh, yeah, you guys doing pop-up com? Which I'm assuming means you guys are – there's uh, pop flies in between a couple infielders or yeah. in between the outfielder and the The triangle drill? Yeah, pop-up <laughs> com communication drills. Yeah. I'm all in on that because the Padres suck when it comes to that. <laughs> if there's two fielders converging for a fly ball, that is disaster written all over it. And that's well documented from this year. I'm okay with that. But for relays, it's, it's fucking stupid. Let's stand in a line and play catch. Myers has got so much. Yeah, do they run polls after that? <laughs> hey, guys, we're going to practice rounding first base. <laughs> Wind sprints. Get out of here. <laughs> so good. Yeah, now that's so stupid. Now, so stupid. It does lead to a fair question, though, in that because, you know, Myers already came out with the official statement, right? So we're never going to get the truth. Now, what we won't ever know is does Myers really not like Andy Green? Is he saying, you know, Andy is the worst? Andy couldn't be any worse right now because he just doesn't care for him? Is there just regular bitching because the fire Andy Green crowd has also taken the inch and turned it into a mile yeah. with this, oh, see, he's awful. See, nobody likes him. He lost the clubhouse. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you could argue they lost the clubhouse in May when they were down in Monterey from Monterey Series when supposedly Brian Mitchell screamed at him in the tunnel and he did nothing about it. Yeah. And then you had the whole Eric Cosmer hitting home run. Am I earning my paycheck now, Chief? The answer to that question that. is no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say it one time for the people in the back. Yeah. 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 Uh, a loud, resounding no. But, I mean, with, with uh, Andy Green, does – I mean, that, I think that's kind of stupid. Does Will Myers not like Andy Green? First of all, you don't have to like him. You don't have to like him. You yeah. just have to respect him. Reggie was, Jackson and uh, uh, Billy Martin, yeah, Billy Martin, fucking hated each other. They did not like each other no. at all. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he likes him. The question about the whole lost the clubhouse thing, all this stuff is like we've never really like verified. I don't think we'll ever hear um, if uh, you know any of this stuff is true. For Brian Mitchell, he can fuck off because he sucks. <laughs> I know people are like. Oh, he had a solid outing. He walked three guys and struck out two, and he gave up like five hits in five innings. It wasn't really that great of an outing. Yeah. It was similar to that smoke and mirrors outing he had against Houston that time that Hosmer dropped the pop-up because A.J. Ellis fell asleep. Right. right. It was like, it looks good, but when you actually look at the peripherals, you're like, oh, he got kind of lucky. He had eight base runners, and only one of them scored. That's a fucking fluke. Yeah, but, for sure. And yeah. he just, like, objectively watching the game, and I, dude... Once they said that he was starting on Monday, I was like, I am watching every single pitch. Train wreck. Every single pitch. And he ended up doing, I think everyone's saying, oh, he spun a gem. Because when you expect someone to go out there and not make it through an inning, and he goes out and throws five, and I think, yeah, he got the win. At that point, you're like, yeah, oh, wow, he threw great. Because he exceeded expectations. But objectively watching him, dude, he was choking his breaking ball almost every time he threw it. Like, he threw a few 58-foot breaking balls, which I would swing at. (laughs) <laughs> Me personally. But he threw a bunch of those, man. His control was all over the place. For whatever reason, they couldn't hit him, and they didn't make it happen. But I'll be interested to see his next start. Absolutely. I'll be interested to see his next start when whoever he's facing, that team has the book on him, and they see, hey, this is what he's got. Sit on the fastball. He's going to leave it up and fucking tattoo it. Yeah. That's what I think is going to happen. Next, His next start, I think, is going to get fucking tattooed. As do I, because you can't walk three guys in five innings and give up five hits and expect to succeed. Back to Andy Green, though. Do you think, because this is the third incident now that we've heard this year. Yeah. Which if I feel more. like, if not more. And I feel like we didn't really, and, and plus you have the incident last year where nobody really talked about it, but there was a sense of disgruntled employees when they didn't throw at Rizzo after right. he drop-kicked Hedges. Right. So do you think that maybe there is some substance to this Andrew Green lost the clubhouse or maybe the team just doesn't like him? I don't think bitching about him shows a lack of disrespect at all. 
Because if that's the case, then nobody respects anybody. Because you and I complain about each other all the time. Yeah, true. So I don't think the complaining does. But do you think there is any substance to maybe he doesn't have the clubhouse? Because I personally don't. I don't know, but I would say I don't think so because I don't think somebody complaining or even Hosmer arguing and trying to prove a point means that he lost the clubhouse. If anything, if he's going to complain at Hosmer and then Hosmer has to go ahead and hit a home run to shove it in his face, yeah. I take that as great motivation. Well, <laughs> I don't know if that's motivation as much. as I think there's a lot of shit that goes on that we don't hear about. Because mm-hmm. obviously, I mean, AC's, Undoubtedly. The, the godsend Kevin Acey is not going to come out and say, hey guys, there's uh, trouble brewing in the, in the Padres clubhouse. If you wanted readers, that's you would. That's not happening. You know, it's not happening. But from, like, um, from the people that we've talked to, like, I've talked to I've talked to someone that has sources in there, and I know how douchey that sounds. And I know I, I did the whole Tyson Ross thing forever, but I I've spoken to people that have, that have a, their finger on the pulse in the locker room. Okay, and I know how fucking douchey that sounds. But from what I've been told, Andy Green is universally mocked in that clubhouse. Universally mocked in the clubhouse. He has no why. respect. No respect. And I don't. I don't get it. I mean, it kind of leads to the thing like, hey, is this the guy? And I, me personally, I don't know how much the manager influences the results on the field. He doesn't have a lot of stuff. I do think next year, I do think next year he's going to have more to work with. So I think next year, I wouldn't be surprised to see him to see that seat getting hot under him. I would so, agree because they're going to have a lot more now. Mejia, we'll get into this in a second, but Mejia got called up today. That was the big news. I'm stunned. Number one, they called him up, and number two, so Mejia's been called up. Urias is already obviously up, and we'll touch on him later. Tatis, assuming health, will probably be up. We've already got Knicks. Allen has to probably be next. Paddock is banging on the door. I assume that you know Quantrill at some point will get a look. So he's going to have a lot of that, that talent um, coming up next year to really see what he can do. So I can I can see that maybe next year is kind of the hot seat for Andy Green. I don't, I don't buy into extensions. Yeah, they gave him an extension, but he makes fucking peanuts. Right, yep. I mean, they DFA'd Headley for seven million dollars. They're gonna, they're they'll they'll have no issue Phil cutting Hughes Green. Also. Yeah, uh, actually, I think Headley was more than that. But yeah, Hughes, they ate seven million dollars. Yeah. Headley was what twelve or thirteen? I think so. Not in total because it prorated. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, they paid. They're paying a salary to sit on his ass. Yeah, they're paying Hughes to go play Pokemon Go. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if they're gonna play. You know, pay Andy Green to go play. You know, Stratomatic or whatever it is he does in his downtime. However, there's also the turn where the front office loves Andy Green. They absolutely love Andy Green. Ron Fowler even came out, and shocking, Kevin Acey had this one. Ron Fowler came out and said, hey, uh, Andy Green's going to be our manager in 2019. So he basically is putting all the rumors to rest right now. He's squashing everything and saying, hey, this is our guy. I don't think they'd be I, – I don't think they should fire him right now. Any, to me, like the people are like, oh, you know, this team is so terrible under Andy Green. You could get Earl fucking Weaver on this team, and he's not going to win any more games. This team is awful. They're a terrible team. Judging him – Based on, like, when you want to compa- judge him and say, like, for me, we talked about this before he came on, because we're going to talk about uh, Fran Mel Reyes here in a minute. But I'm thinking, like, great, like, now, you know, he's been playing Fran Mill, he's been playing Renfro since they've been hot, but he's not playing Margot, he's playing Jankowski, which pisses me off. I want Margot to play, he needs to play every day, mm-hmm. and he can't get hot or get consistent if he's riding the fucking bench. He has been playing Urias every day, which, of course, he should, because he's better than any fucking option, including Aswahe. So, which is funny that he mentioned that he's coming up. But, so there's stuff like that that I could see, like, yeah, you get frustrated. But at the same time, I wonder if if Preller actually comes down and says, like, no, you need to play these guys. Or he just gives Andy the lineup and lets him decide on his own. But if he's doing that, you got to judge it at some point. Like, there's no reason Jankowski should be playing every day. If that's why you want to fire him, great. If you want to fire him because his team sucks, well then, 
you know. Remember you when to... Hunter Renfro was riding Pine in the in the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. and Jose Perella was starting? Yeah. Fuck you, Andy Green. Yeah, exactly. It's it's stuff like that. It's stuff like Jankowski getting starts every day. He loves Jankowski, dude. It's because he, he's scrappy. Jankowski like Andy Green has was. been leading off for the last like two weeks. I feel like every single game he's in there batting leadoff, and it drives me nuts. It's either Jankowski or it's Galvis, and it drives me fucking oh my god nuts. That's when I quit. When you guys, te- when you, you and uh, my cousin, uh, we have that group that are going texting me and said Galvis leading off. I'm like, I quit. Yeah. I had I didn't watch a game until Reese came up. Yeah, I could give two flying fucks. It's it's stuff like that, and then it's little stuff like I, I want to talk a little bit about Jacob Nix. So we were at the game, um, dude. It was like a two hour and ten minute game. It was, it was fucking super amazing. Quick. So, Absolutely amazing. Jacob Nix goes out there, and I feel like so we went out there. We went to the fourth inning meetup. We we're hanging out with everyone, um, and then we went down to our seats. And I feel like next thing we know, the game's almost over. Like yeah. it was really cool to see Jacob Nix going. I, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to the game <laughs> that night. So I'm sitting there, and next thing you know, it's like the eighth inning, and Jacob Nix is like, "Oh shit, Jacob Nix is still out." Oh my god, he has like 60 pitches. He's like 65 pitches. Like holy shit. And then he goes out there for the uh, top of the ninth, and they're playing go in the distance. And the whole crowd starts getting crazy, and you see Nick's warming up there. And it's like, hell yeah, dude. Like, let this guy go for it. And then he goes out there, and he gives up a home run to Nelson Cruz. This is against the Mariners. Gives up a home run to Nelson Cruz. A fucking bomb. Yeah, it was clobbered. A bomb, yeah, into the bullpen. At that point, I want to say the score was two to one. It was either two to one or three to one. It was a close game. But at that point, it was three to one, I believe. You have Jacob Nix around eighty pitches. He's around eighty pitches. Let him finish the game. Let him finish the fucking game. You know what I mean? Like he's out there. He grinded. He grinded all the way to the ninth inning. He's right there. He can taste it. Really? What was it? One out? Did he make it through two outs? He got. He threw eight and a third. Eight and a third. He needs two more outs. You have a one-run lead. A one or two-run lead. Let him go out there. If you fail, what the fuck does it matter if you fail? That's exactly what I was going to say. If he fails, if he goes out there and he gives up another couple runs or he gets a couple runners on, if I'm manager at that point, and no one cares about what moves I would make, but if I was a manager, hey, go out there. I would do the whole thing. I'd do the bit where you go out there and you make make the uh, trip to the mound, the slow stroll. You go up there and he starts sweating. He's like, oh, fuck, he's going to take me out. And then I'd give him a little pep talk, like, hey, you got this. Like, let's go. And then I turn around. And you know what? You know what happens when I turn around and I go back to the dugout? You get the cheered. crowd goes wild, dude. Yeah. It goes fucking wild. And Jacob Nix, he's got that adrenaline going. Okay, I let him keep going. If one guy gets on, I'm sitting, I'm like, ooh, God. If another guy gets on after that, that's when I pull him. That's when you bring in your closer because that's what closers are paid to do, right? Come into the high leverage situation. At that point, take him out. But at at the point that he took him out, I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude, his pitch count is extremely low. He's not throwing for five days. I don't get why you would pull him in that situation. Let him get the experience. Let him go, try to go to complete the game. Let him face that adversity and see how he reacts to that adversary. Uh, you know, I just I don't get it, dude. It's it's little shit like that that Andy Green does where I'm like, I, I think I'd be okay seeing another voice come in and seeing him come in sooner rather than later. I want to see him now as opposed to when these uh, kids start coming up because I don't want them to have a change when they get here. I agree. I, I don't want it to happen like, hey, Andy's here, and then we start having these pitchers come up to go with Urias and Mejia, and then, uh, you know what, hey, we're going to bring in Rod Barajas. At that point, I'm kind of like, mm, I, I, I don't know. I want it to happen sooner rather than later. But at this point, all of it seems moot because I don't think anything's going to happen. Because Fowler obviously loves him. And I, and that opens a whole other can of worms of whether Fowler is making the call of who's our manager or A.J. Preller. That's a whole different podcast. I mean, I think you'd be ignorant to think that on any team, uh, or at least most teams, that 
ownership doesn't have some say. You think the Nationals held at the deadline because, you know, Mike Rizzo, their GM, you know, thought that they had a chance to win? Fuck no. He held because ownership wanted to give it another month to see if they can get that going because there's revenue at stake for trading guys. They held on to Harper not because they think they can sign him, but because it, as a franchise, generates money for them to have Harper. They'd rather keep him and then, you know, move him. So there's definitely ownership... Yeah, but how uh, much money is he there. generating in three months? I don't know, guy. I don't work the books. But, <laughs> I mean, as far as Andy Green goes, here's the thing. To play a devil's advocate, if the Padres had a winning record and they were in a playoff race, I don't give a fuck about pitch counts. To me, pitch counts, it like I don't put an arbitrary number on 100. Some guys can go 120 and remain effective. Some guys can't go 80 and remain effective. To me, it's how effective are you when you're turning the roster over? Knicks didn't have any strikeouts. Right. Like, he didn't walk anybody, but he didn't have any strikeouts. That was very strange. It was very strange, but what you're doing is you're playing you're playing with fire at that point, right? You're on a roll at the casino, and you're playing with fire. You're playing with luck because you're not striking anybody out. You're relying solely on them hitting the ball at somebody for an out and getting out of those jams. So not to mention he's facing the top of what's a fairly decent order. You know, they've got, he's probably middle of the order because yeah, Nelson Cruz, Cruz hit a home run. Cruz hit a home run you know, to, with one out. But still, you're, you're flipping the order over a third time. I believe actually a fourth time. Statistically speaking, the more times you see, the more times you flip the order over, the less successful you are as a pitcher. So if the Padres had a winning record, they're in a playoff hunt, and they're thinking, okay, we're this is a close game. It's now three to two or two to one or whatever it was after the home run. I'm gonna go with my bullpen on this one. Strategically, that's the right move. That's a sound move. The Padres are not a playoff team. They are not going anywhere. There is no reason to go burn Kirby Yates for whatever reason, who, by the way, has not been that good. Uh, since He's regressed a little. Just a tad. Just a tad. Just a tad. But he hasn't been that good. And you're giving an opportunity to give a young pitcher who I think, I don't think Jacob Nix is going to be a staff ace. I know people are high on him. I don't think he's going to be a staff ace. I don't think he's going to be a big strikeout guy. I think he's going to be a very solid, a really, really good number four, a very solid number three, 180, 200 innings. Yeah, a workhorse, 180, 200 innings. He's going to go out there and give you, you know, that that every now and then start we just blows you away. You know, he reminds like a Lance Lynn, right? Yeah. Like Lance Lynn, when he was with the Cardinals, he wasn't their best pitcher. Maybe a James Shields. Uh, maybe. I mean, James Shields in his prime was a very good fucking pitcher. He was an innings eater. He was he, a horse. He was. He wasn't a number one. Maybe he's our John Garland. Maybe. Maybe he's our John Lackey. Could I think be. he'll be better than Garland. Maybe he'll be as Garland. But still, I think he's that kind of guy. But to me, if you're trying to develop a guy, one of the things, and I know it doesn't show up on the stat sheet and stuff like that, but you know, you want to build character. You want to see how does this guy do under pressure because it does count. It does mean something for him to pitch in high leverage situations. There is value in that. And there's value in leaving him out there and saying, hey, he's tired. You know, either he's tired or he's seen this lineup now three times. It's the fourth time through and it's a close game. Let me see how he does. Let me see how he responds to the moment in terms of developing him mentally. And yeah, you're right. If he gets a couple guys on or he blows the lead, hey, you know what? He fucking went for it. And all it's going to do, considering the kind of character he is and what he said at the end of the game, and he wanted stuff, to go for it. He wanted to go for it. Yeah. So he said, you know, I got to be better and I got to strike more guys out. So I think that was the perfect time to test him and test the mental strength of Jacob Nix and not pull him out. If you're winning, if you have a winning record and you're trying to get a playoff spot, absolutely. That is definitely the right move strategically. I would agree. I would agree. Not in this particular situation at all. Which also leads me to... we're gonna And talk- I don't think he was tired either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with you there. But that also leads us to um, another kind of questioning the strategy behind a call. 
Um, and also leads us into the probably the best part that the, the best thing that's happened in my life in the last two <laughs> weeks, if we can be honest. Um, Luis Urias. Do you remember late in the game, I believe his extra innings, 10th, 11th inning, something like that? Urias comes up, runners on first and second. There's no outs. There's no outs. He has a chance to end it at home. Fran Mil Reyes is on second base. Andy Green calls for the bunt. He calls for the bunt on first and second with no one out. So what he's thinking at that point is goes back to what you're saying. If you're in a playoff run, if you're in a playoff run, you need the win. Strategically speaking, okay, great. Urias, put down the bunt. You're a great contact guy. You're a great contact guy. However, that's not the spot. As you're trying to make your point, go ahead. False. You should never fucking bunt. You have less of a chance of scoring with runners on second and third with one out than you do with runners on first and second with nobody out. And it makes even less sense to bunt with arguably the best contact hitter you have on the team. And you're exactly right about the development standpoint, too. High leverage situation. Let's see what he does. Let him hit. Yeah. Dude, the day before. I want to say it was the day before. That's when he went off. On that day game where he had, yeah. he was like three for five yeah. or some shit like that. Went I, yard. Yeah. I want to say he had, a, he didn't have the best game that game where he had him put down the bunt. But if you watched it and you saw it, he looked, he looked really awkward putting down the bunt. That's he because he doesn't fucking that's bunt what the minors. I'm getting at, if you let me finish, that's what I'm getting at. He's sitting there and he's like holding the bat out. He's like, oh, what the fuck do I do, okay? He's <laughs> like, he doesn't know because he doesn't bunt. You know why he doesn't bunt? Because he's Luis Urias, okay? That he does not bunt. He ended up uh, bunting. Bunning in the air and the first baseman caught it. So, dude, when I saw that, I lost my shit because I was so pissed off. Was I biased? Did I want to see him get that opportunity oh, to end course. it? Absolutely. But, again, it all goes back to where we've been and what we've said all of this season and all of last season. You're not in it. You're not in it. Okay? You don't. You always play to win the game. But sometimes you don't play to win the game. Okay? I don't think I know, you're playing to win the game when you're giving up an out. I'd be curious. It's Andy to, Green's yeah. job to win the game. So I know that. I know that. But at the same time, it's also his job to develop these players. So you need to put him in that spot. You need to see what he does in that spot. Having Urias bunt is so fucking stupid. Right after that is Eric Cosmer. So you have Eric Cosmer. Um, you have Eric Cosmer on with... It was either Hosmer or Myers. Who the fuck was it? I think it was Myers was after him. So you have Myers go up there. Let's say he has runners on second and third, right? You're hoping for a fly ball. And then you have Hosmer come up. You're not getting a ground ball out of Hosmer. So basically, if it's second and third, one out, what are you going to do when Myers comes up? You're going to walk him. Yep. You're going to walk him. You're going to you're gonna pull the infield in, and guess who's coming up to play? Ground ball machine, Eric Hosmer. Local gopher That inning killer. is over. Yeah. That inning is over. You know what I mean? So at that point, let the kid swing. Andy Green, let the kid swing. Good lord, dude. Here's like, here's my argument. Real that's basic. That's the shit. That's Re- the shit, man. Yeah. Real real basic. No no overly, you know, computer generated numbers or anything algorithms. The OPS of a bunt is probably significantly lower than the OPS of just letting him swing, right? The right. chances of you it's well, duh. It, like yeah, but I mean I'm just saying like that's just basic though, right? Like if I give up, if I bunt I'm definitely not scoring a run barring an error, right? Right. Right. Definitely not scoring a run barring an error, and I just I just eliminated my chance to score runs now. Now I have two chances instead of three, right? Right. If you put the fucking ball in play, who the hell knows what's going to happen? There's all kinds of fucking variables. More variables for me to play with than hoping to God that the pitcher throws it away and I win on a fluke walk-off bunt error. I hate the idea of giving way outs. Yeah. I hate it. Who was it that said that outs are currency? 
Me? You. That's my theory. I look at outs like uh, yeah, currency. Yeah, you heard it from somewhere. No, I, I, I swear to God, I made it up out. myself. I didn't hear it from anywhere. I look at outs like money. You have $27 to buy an infinite amount of runs. You have finite money to buy infinite runs. Why the fuck are you going to give them away? You're basically playing the fucking lotto. It's stupid. Yeah. It's kind of like intentional walks. I hate intentional walks. Why? The on-base percentage of an, on base. Yeah, the on the on-base percentage of an intentional walk is 1000. Yeah. The on-base percentage of pitching new guy is probably on average 31%. I'm going to go ahead and play the 70% chance this guy's going to make it out. Yeah. It doesn't make... Even fucking Barry Bonds, I would pitch to Barry Bonds because his on-base is 500, but I still got a clean 50-50 <laughs> shot of getting his ass out. Whereas if I yeah, walk in... Yeah, so the bases yeah. and you're fired. But I would take the shot. I would take the, I would take a... Would you take 50% odds on any bet? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So why the fuck wouldn't you do it against Barry Bonds regardless of if he can hit a home run or not? You play the odds. The odds are if you fucking bunt, you're, li- you're likely not to score yeah. as opposed to not bunting. Yeah. It makes no sense. And these are things that when they brought Andy Green in he was saying all the right things he's actually showing to just be like every other shit sack manager where at the end of the day regardless of maybe he is forward thinking or not he falls victim to i'm just the regular everyday cardboard cutout i'm gonna fucking butt i'm a smarter more articulate bud black yeah that's all he falls into who was it was it hj preller or, he said something or, like oh that's basic baseball or something no, i'm like horse think, fucking shit i want to say it was one of the intelligence guys that said that uh <laughs> Andy Green is just Bud Black with shifty eyes. <laughs> I, I think, think that was Preller. I think that was <laughs> one of those. Jagoff. God, that's great. But yeah, dude, I, I I agree with that, man. It's dude, time after time, like I I not only get frustrated because these guys suck, like they suck, but just the stuff that goes be beyond it. You know what I mean? Like the strategy. It's like, dude, this is basic shit. Like like you said, giving away those outs, dude. I lost my shit when they had Urias bunt. When they had him bunt, I lost my shit. But um, also, counterpoint, someone brought it up. I, I believe it was Brian on Twitter. He said, uh, he's like, dude, I'm okay with the bunt because Fran Mill's on second base. I I, I kind of get that. I kind of get that. He seems like he has average speed. He's a big he's actually, guy. Actually, I was looking up his fan graph stuff. He does have average speed. He's, he, he's, he's a, a graded big, like a 40 speed. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a big guy. But if he has a, he has average speed, dude. I, if you hit a ball in the fucking gap, he's likely to score. And even if he doesn't, now you have runners at second and third with nobody out. If there's anyone on the team that I like to hit a ball in the gap, it's Urias. Yeah. Over everyone. Over Absolutely. Everyone, even over Myers. Absolutely. Even over Hunter. Because he's going to make contact. Worst case scenario, you make contact. He puts the ball in play. He's got... On average, a 30% chance of that going through. Yeah. He bunts the ball, he probably has like a 5% chance yeah. of getting on base after that. So yeah. it's, it's it's shit like that that drives me insane. The problem is, I don't think, regardless of any manager going to get in here, is going to change that. Even fucking Joe Madden does shit like that. Yeah. For as much as he was heralded. I'm beginning to think Joe Madden was more of a product of the Rays front office and how they ran things and giving him information and telling him, no, you need to do this in this situation. Whereas I feel like maybe the Cubs, he's had a little bit more leeway to do what he wants. And then falls into the old, you know, this is how you manage the ball game. And, you know, I'm not going to be a, a free uh, forward-thinking guy. But let, let's move another stuff. Let's talk about Fran Mill Reyes. And let's talk about Hunter Renfro. These two, the twin towers, so to speak, Eric. Yeah. Now, we're going to touch on Renfro first. Because as good as I'm about to let you know he's been, Reyes has been that much better. Since August 1st, I looked this up uh, on Fangraph. Since August 1st, Renfro is hitting 305. Very good. Yeah. He's got a respectable but not great 323 on base. That's a solid on base. And he is slugging a very sexy 636 in that time frame. Love that. Absolutely. 51% above the league average hitter in that time frame. He has been great. The walks are not great. So he's probably got a little bit of Babbitt love, Babbitt love in there. But nonetheless, he has been productive. 
Reyes, on the other hand, has been even better. 316 batting average, and I could give or take batting average. I know it's blasphemy, but whatever. 373 on base. 711 slugging. That's right. 711 and what slugging. And what's that in the last? That's in that since August 1st. That's since in his August last 1st. 83 plate appearances for Reyes. I don't have the Renfro's count. That's up. impressive, dude. It is. That's basically a it's it's a legit, you know, 80 to 100 plate appearances, legit month. He has been 91% above league average. Now, yeah. in no way shape or form is he going to hold this. No. Absolutely not. But he's, he's going to come down to earth. But oh, yeah. Dude, it is fun to watch the young man rake. Oh, absolutely. I uh cuz you know, you get the MLB TV after the game post, you can watch a condensed version. Yeah. Jesus Christ, his home runs. It looked like he got jammed on the one he hit to the pool party. Dude, when he so that's the thing. So my uh yesterday was Labor Day. My mom came over, my brother came over. My brother, he's kind of he's like whatever about baseball. He follows it, but not that much cuz the team sucks. So he's just kind of like whatever. And then Framo Reyes comes up and he's like, "Damn, this is a big fucking guy." I was like, "Dude, he fucking rakes. And the next thing you know, a fastball on the on the black inside. Laser shot into yeah. the pool area in right center field, which was impressive. To take an inside pitch and just hit it like that to right center I'm was I'm curious impressive. if he commanded the ball to go that way. Like when he saw the ball come out of his hand, he's like, you know what? I'm going to hit this to right field. And Maybe. Some people do have that power, especially in a doll league. Um, but it was crazy, dude. He crushes it to right center field. And then later in the game, dude, the laser into left center field. It's like when when he makes connection, dude, it's just it's something else, man, because he has so much power behind it. And that walk-off homer that he hit – uh, the other day, good God. The marine layer almost killed that. <laughs> good God, man. It's like, I can get used to this. I can get used to this. And As can I. That's even more so why I like the idea of uh, Will Myers playing third, because I love the idea of having Renfro and Reyes in the corner spots. Why not have big dudes that can hit bombs in the corners? And Reyes... That's what we need. And Reyes, to his credit, like... He's graded at a 40 speed and 45 uh, field, so that's like his future. Right now he's 45-40, so the speed will go down as he gets older. But not obscenely so. Yeah. Not to the point to where it's like, oh, he's terrible. I mean, he's 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 fine He's going to be an average defensive outfielder, but yeah. this is the problem that Hosmer throws in there because you could probably stick him at first mm-hmm. and put Myers out there instead. But nonetheless, uh, this is also why we should want the DH in the league because yes, then you can badly. play him, Renfro, Cordero, and Myers – and Hosmer, all at the same time, and field likely your best lineup uh, and your most optimal lineup possible. Here's the thing with, with Fran Mill in this run here. He does have an almost 8.5 walk rate. Renfro only has like a 3% walk rate. So Fran Mill's walking almost three times as much. If I had to choose, because you're going to have to choose. Cordero's pretty much got the spot locked down before he got hurt. I might go with, with Fran Mill, but I do think the Kyle Blanks comparisons are fair. I like playing both of them. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. Now that you have it now. You know why? Yeah. I'm not. I don't know, man. Cordero needs to show me. Cordero. Here's what I want Cordero to be next year. I'm. I am. Healthy. I am big on on Cordero. I am. Uh, he's still very young, and he has a shit ton of tools. I am big on that. What I want Cordero to be next year. I don't. I don't care what people think. Throw him in AAA. Throw him in El Paso, and I want him to be performing at the point where Urias was to where we start using the SpongeBob memes saying he's not ready <laughs> and openly mocking the team for not bringing him up. That's what I want to see out of Cordero. Because other than that, you have to you have to keep going with Renfro. You have to keep going with Renfro in the outfield. I can see them dealing. I, I one don't of the, want to choose between two guys. I can see it too. I mean, I can see them making a deal too. But assuming everyone stays, you have to give those two guys shots. You have to. I hundred percent agree, and I like that. Trading they're Renfro every day. and giving up on Renfro right now would be bullshit. Because, dude, he he has come around leaps and bounds against right-handed hit. He actually hits better, and people are going to bring up uh, OPS or WRC Plus or whatever. He I'll look it up right now. He hits righties better than he hits lefties. 
Hunter right Renfro. That's and your... last year, it's like, oh, hey, maybe he's Scott Hairston. Maybe he only hits lefties. Maybe he's a platoon guy. This year, guess what, dude? He's mashing right-handed pitching. He's mashing right-handed pitching. And I would imagine that's probably like a reverse splits type of thing, like when a lefty pitches better against a righty. It's probably not going to hold. But he doesn't have to do much to, to be able to stay in against you know right-handed pitching. As long as he's league average against righties, he'll be you fine. You look up your fancy stats, and you tell me if he's better against righties or lefties. It's uh, at the very least he's it's a, close. He's about even. So uh, he's about 19% above average against lefties and 21% above average against righties. Boom, so thank you. He's even. better against right-handed pitching, dude. He's come around. He's come around it's a lot. So, it's so small, but okay, fine. I'll, he's I'll come give that around to you. a lot. He's slightly better this year. He's come But he doesn't have to be, you know, amazing against righties. He can be average. If he's there where he is now and then he bounces back against lefties, Great, he's an everyday fucking player. Yeah. I don't think they'd be full as a trade. What's his war now. right now? Um, let me look it up. Go off of B war, because that's that's the stat that I love. You don't love either of them. So I got in an argument and I had to I'm stunned. You got in an argument? <laughs> I had to nah. I had to fiercely defend Will Myers. So I use the stat that stat geeks love to use. I use war to Per uh, fangraphs he's been worth one point three war in I told ninety five games. I told you B war. Hunter so Renfro two point one. So I, I use war to back my argument because it fit it fit my narrative. He's a two and, and a half what? to three win player. Guess what? I got a DM from Craig Meddy. Do I need to unfollow you? <laughs> you almost spit out your <laughs> you almost spit out your auto. <laughs> like, oh man, that was good. He's like, do I need to unfollow you with all these fucking computer stats? Oh, oh that god, that's amazing. That, that is great. that is well worth it. But yeah, no, I mean the reality is he has been. I've said it before, like, with the amount of power he has, if he can post, he's not an elite hitter. I think people say, oh, you know, this elite, he has elite power, but total offense, he's not going to be an elite hitter until he learns how to draw 8 to 10% walk. He doesn't, uh, yeah, he needs to work on that. Like, 3% is fucking atrocious. I mean, he's hitting 305 with a 323 on base. That's not going to hold. Right. But if he can figure it out and draw enough walks, you know, to get him by when he's not on these hot streaks, then great. He's going to be an everyday player. And I think that's what his ceiling is. I mean, when he's drafted, the idea was, well, if he projects, he could be a borderline all-star. But right now his ceiling is everyday player, maybe with like a Mark Trumbo type of all-star year mixed in, which to me is fine. We said this last year, you know, if he's Mark Trumbo, then great, because I think defensively he might be a little bit better. But they're gonna have to choose because Cordero, to me, you choose them. You choose him over the other two. Yeah, he go AAA and tear He's it up. He's young enough where you can throw him at AAA. I agree, but I think long. How run, about this, Cordero? Work on staying on the fucking field. Well, it's not his fault he got hurt, but nonetheless, I mean, I think long run. Tell that look, to the Myers haters. Yeah, <laughs> if you look I'm serious, dude. if you look long long term, right? I mean, logically speaking, long term. If you had to pick one of these three unproven guys. Logically speaking, long-term, Cordero makes the most sense. He brings more to the table than those other two guys, whereas Renfo and Reyes have similar tools. The difference is that Reyes is walking at a much better clip. He's also a lot younger, which is like two or three years younger than Renfro. If not more. Yeah, if not more. And I, I mean, Because remember, he was the guy that Fangraphs and Baseball Reference had a different date of birth. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So... Um, but I mean, I, I might go with Reyes just because, you know, he's doing it at a young... He made the adjustments quick. Remember, he struggled when he came up. Yeah. He went down. Even Andrew Green said it. Yeah, we want him to you know, either eliminate it or abbreviate the leg kick. He's done that. He looks much more relaxed at the plate. And Jesus Christ, does he fucking rake. God, his home runs are so impressive. Yeah. And as much as I like Renfro hitting off his front foot with the long you know, one-hand finish, 
I love the high two-handed finish from the big oh, man. Oh, it's sweet. Oh, it's so it's pretty. Sweet. So, dude, watching the young man connect, dude, it is. It is amazing. Now, amazing. I do think the Kyle Blanks uh, comparisons are similar because Blanks flashed the same thing. Yeah, he did. Solid, you know, average, about as average as you can hope for in left field, considering the size. About, you know, a little quicker than you would think. Light fucking tower power, and then had a wonderful like. 40, 50 game show. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. It was amazing. <laughs> I really yeah. want to shake his hand. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I, I do think you need to give... I, I agree with you on the Cordero thing. Let him get into AAA. Let him get healthy because he's going to be out for a while. Open your fucking season next year with Margot in center, damn it. The white guy in the outfield should be Renfro, not Jankowski. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. <laughs> but open open the season with Renfro and, and uh, Reyes as your corners. Little R&R action. And let him fucking fight it out while Cordero gets healthy and reestablishes himself and see who fucking can't make the adjustment yeah. and go from there. I like that. You know, there's a few guys next year. I'm really excited for next year. There's a few guys that um, I, I think we're going to see, and I think they're going to make a big impact. They're coming up from the minors, and they're coming quick. So uh, we want to open up our Mad Friars segment again. Uh, we're bringing in an old friend, Kevin Charity from Mad Friars. So uh, this should be fun. Uh, again, follow them. At Madfires, make sure you subscribe madfires.com. Uh, drop the coffee for one time and subscribe. It's like five bucks a month. Make sure you guys go on there. You get the daily wrap ups. Um, you get the, you get some of the best coverage you're going to find in the Padres minor league. So again, madfires.com. Follow them at Madfires. We're bringing in Kevin Charity next. Bing, 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 and welcome back. We are back with Kevin Charity of Madfires. It's been a little while, Kevin, but welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really excited, dude. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff coming up. Um, the playoffs for a couple of the affiliates down there. Um, and then also this Futures game that's coming up. I believe it's September 27th. Um, are you going to be out there for that? Yeah, that's the plan. It's it's kind of weird they're doing it on, on a Thursday this year, but it should, should still be out there. So, yeah, it should be good. That's cool. Have um, I know that you don't really know like an exact roster, and they haven't really put out anything, so we won't hold you to it. But if, if we had to get your best guess, um, why don't you name some guys that you think we might be seeing there? Yeah, I mean, they. I don't think they've even announced their Instructs roster yet. Um, typically, Instructs are usually a week or two after the season ends. So my guess is that you'd, you'd hear something in the next couple of days about it because I would imagine that program is starting – uh, pretty pretty quickly. I mean, I don't have any insider knowledge on that just yet because they're pretty pretty quiet about that stuff. But I mean, you, you're going to probably see most of the of the draft picks from 2017 or 2018. We're in, geez. Um, so you, I mean, I would imagine Xavier Edwards would be out there. Ryan Weathers, whether he pitches or not, but I would imagine he's going to at least be there. You know, Grant Little um, would be a good guess. I mean, kind of looking at some of the guys. Typically, you don't really see guys that are above like low a so my hope is that they send out gabriel arias out there Jordi barley um you know history ruiz who played in the game last year um might be a good bet for it um you know maybe you know some of the draft picks too like dylan coleman who, who had a pretty good year for him a little bit that he showed and probably a lot of the guys that were from their most uh their most recent signing class from the the international signing class. There's not really anybody in there that's like super noteworthy. And then I imagine some mixture of some of the guys they've had left behind the, in the Arizona league. I think last year they had like 70 players that came out and played, you know, for three three days um, against the Rangers. So it's, it should be good. I mean, I don't think you're going to have the, the Urias or the Tatis, 
um, headliners that you kind of had in the past, but I think there'll still be uh, a good amount of talent out there. I, I would think like a, my new favorite prospect, Tukupita Marcano, would be out there as well. So there should still be plenty of stuff to watch out there for sure. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, whether there's no Tatis, no Arias, I'm still going to be out there, of course, to watch it because that's that's what we're all so invested in with this future and this farm system. You know, you mentioned a guy, Xavier Edwards, and I'll, I'll be 100% up front and honest. I don't really follow the guys at that lower, lower level that much. That's what I kind of... Uh, rely on you guys over Madfires for Xavier Edwards from what I've from what I'm hearing as far as buzz on Twitter there's a, a little bit of buzz on him how's he doing so far after getting drafted yeah he hit close to 400 in the Arizona League I think he I think he finished up in like or something like that um and he went to Tri-City got off to a really slow start and then started hit, heating up again he hit over 300 there with a I, I want to say his on base percentage was approaching 500 for the year it's crazy like he gets on base doesn't shrink out a ton. Um, and then, you know, when they drafted him, kind of the appeal was, uh, you know, that he was graded by scouts as like a 60 runner and a 60 defender at short um, with a pretty good arm. So he's a guy that, you know, making my list, I, I kind of started the process of, of whittling that down. I What I do is I write a bunch of names down on paper and I just start kind of balancing them. And he's a guy that keeps rising and rising every time I kind of, start looking at it but um his hasn't really flashed a lot of power yet and um he's a guy that can stick it short with 40 50 stolen base potential and a pretty good hit tool and the guy i mean for a, a kid that was in high school three or four months ago to walk when he struck out in his you know professional debut and they moved him up they're you know fairly aggressive with him they didn't just leave him behind in the years only that's the tank city um he's really really impressive for sure yeah, and it's been fun to uh, to see the reports on him, uh, which, again, you can catch at madfriars.com. Follow them at madfriars on Twitter. Now, Kevin, you touched yeah, on the top 30 that uh, you're starting to get going here as we near the end of the season. Any name, any sleeper prospect that uh, other than Edwards that you've been impressed with to the point to where they might crack the top 30 that maybe not everybody's paying much attention to? Yeah, just a quick note on Edwards too. Uh, John had an interview with him. It's on our site that he posted like a week or two ago. So if you if anybody missed that, check that out. Um, you know the thing. It's funny. I got asked a similar question on a, on a different podcast, and um, it's it's funny because I don't really think that with the internet and with Baseball America, and to a lesser extent, what we do, I don't really think there's anybody that I could say where somebody's gonna be like, oh, I don't I don't know who that is. Like, there's always people always know who these people are. Like I said, going into this year, I think Patino was going to be a huge sleeper and, and that worked out well. I mean, Tukupita Marcano is a guy that I'm pretty sure is going to crack my top 30 somewhere. Um, he had a, you look at his numbers last year and he hit like 200 in the Dominican league, but he had four walks and strikeouts. And, and those numbers are, are pretty meaningless, but he went into um, Peoria in the Arizona league. And just, I don't know if he's going to have enough at bats to qualify, but he, was leading the league in, in, in average. I think he was second on base percentage, second in walks when he was promoted. Um, has a really good eye at the plate. Doesn't have a lot of power um, naturally in that comparison to Urias are going to be there just because he's kind of this, you know, 18 year old infielder with an advanced feel for the, for you know pitch recognition and doesn't have any power. People are going to kind of you know use those um, comparisons. Um, from there, I mean, looking kind of further in there, Owen Miller, who was drafted in the third round, um, kind of a nondescript shortstop. The guy just 
was uh, amazing for uh, Fort Wayne that was such a power. Um, so he's a, he's another guy that it would probably be in that bottom half, uh, just because you know you're you're always gonna kind of go with the guys you know a little bit more about. And a guy that's you know still down there is the only guy I love is Jordy Barley. Um, the guy's got the guy's got power. Um, pretty good athlete at short. He seems like he's gonna stick there at least for now. Um, he's another guy. When you look at his numbers, they're not great, but any, anything that I've seen of him, from him, the reports I've heard from him. Uh, are really interesting. Um, outside of him, I mean, there's there are some pitchers that that were down there that had good years. Um, Joey Cantillo, who just got who got a promotion at the end of the season to uh, Fort Wayne's another guy that um, he's another guy that I would think would be at that Padres Futures game that I hope pitches because I really want to get a look at him. He's a left-hander um, that seems pretty pretty polished. And um, just kind of on a side note, like I wouldn't be surprised too. I'm, I'm curious. Um, if Anderson Espinosa is going to ramp it up and and uh, and instruct and see if he makes an appearance in that game too. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'd be super stoked for that. Obviously, we've been waiting for him, and I feel like we've been waiting forever for that guy. So if he shows up there, great. I won't really expect it, but you know, two guys that won't be there, I think we can all agree they won't be there because they've been shut down. That would be Luis Patino and Chris Paddock. Those two guys in particular were extremely uh, impressive to me. Chris Paddock coming off of Tommy John, uh, Luis Patino coming out of nowhere. Um, where, because I know the only reason I ask this is because I know that Tatis kind of skipped uh, single A or skipped uh, Fort Wayne, excuse me, skipped uh, Lake Elsinore. Do you see a guy like Paddock skipping AAA? And in the same breath, do you see a guy like Patino skipping Lake Elsinore? Um, Patino's still really young. He's 18. Um, I'm not sure when he turns 19, but he's, I don't think he'll skip Elston. I think he'll at least be there. Um, he may not be there very long. I mean, he may be out of there by June. Um, but, uh, Paddock, honestly, like he's a guy they have to add to the 40 man roster. He's to me, a, a dark horse candidate for the starting rotation next year. Um, just because in, in San Diego, because, you know, I don't know what they're going to do we've talked, I know we've kind of internally talked about with, you know, three of us off air about adding a starting pitcher or two. I'm in the camp where they need to add a, a good starting pitcher, not like a Clayton Richard or Tyson Ross type, but a good veteran experienced pitcher. That's actually good. But if they don't, I mean, if they just take, just take a look at their, their organization right now and say, we're going to throw as many of these guys in the wall and see you and see you stick. You can't tell me that Chris Paddock's not one of the best five guys that they that's big league ready now when you compare him to like Lucchese and Lauer and Kennedy and all these other guys. So if if they go to that scenario where they just let the young guys go, I think Paddock's going to be in the rotation. Um, with Patino, he'll definitely, I would imagine, with Nelson next year, um, which their, um, their, rota- their potential rotation with Gore, Patino, and Espinosa is like um, just ridiculously, you know, going to be ridiculously fun if that's how it shakes out um but yeah i, I think both those guys are, are going to be fast risers patino could get it will probably if everything goes right we'll be in double a by the end of next year wow yeah that's that's uh that's extremely impressive dude it's really exciting really really exciting um you know one thing that i wanted to ask you about and we kind of um I, I got really excited about the futures game and the prospect game so i kind of went a little long on that so we'll kind of ask you kind of 
Um, a little bit shorter answer on this one with the uh, the whole competing thing. So we kind of talked about a little bit how the Padres are like, well, they, they kind of like seeing their prospects win at the minor league level. You know, we talk about the, uh, the first wave of talent or second wave, however you want right. to say it, with Renfro, Margot, and Hedges. But this year with the AAA, the El Paso Chihuahuas going into the playoffs, you see Urias getting called up, and so he's out of that playoff hunt. And you see Mejia getting called up just today, and he's out of that as well. Um, what's what's kind of your opinion on that? Kind of um, do should the team keep them down there and let them play and experience winning, or is it hey get them up? The earlier the better. You got to look at it from two ways. Um, personally, I think the whole mantra of winning in minor league baseball, I, I don't really feel like it, it matters um, because it's not like a pressure packed environment with all eyes on you. Um, minor league baseball playoff games are sparsely attended anyway, just because, you know, they, they spend so much time trying to sell tickets that, you know, the whole season and packages that the playoff rolls around. I think there's just not a lot of time to sell tickets. Um, you know, you look at their core of that team of that, that triple a team that got to the, the championship game and it was Renfro, Margot, Aswahe, and um, I might be forgetting somebody else, but um, Hedges, there was it Hedges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't remember. Team, I but, but yeah, like my point <laughs> with that is it, it didn't really, did it make this team better? Have they learned to win more from it? No, I, I think from an affiliate standpoint, you have to kind of keep those guys happy. If you really want to have a good relationship with them. And I know that, El Paso and the Padres have a good relationship and I don't know if this hinders it, but they have Rafi Lopez and the other guys that can catch, but no, like I think Urias should be up here and is, and Mejia should be up here and is, I think ultimately you got to worry more about the big league club and getting these guys from that bat down the stretch. Um, you know, they're in a no pressure situation. The team's not going anywhere. So no, I, I personally think it's, it's going to behoove them more to be in San Diego than to be in El Paso trying to win a PCL championship and, play and you know and, and do all that I, I, that's my opinion i think it's twofold but yeah i, I think ultimately they're going to learn more in san diego they're going to have big league instruction they're going to be around the environment they're you know mejia if he plays should get 70 to 80 bats down the stretch so i think that's going to benefit them more going to 2019 than playing in triple a I would 100% agree with that. I think Eric would be on board as well. So, of course, Kevin, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, again, you can uh, follow Kevin and the rest of the staff at madfriars.com um, as well as at madfriars on Twitter. Um, before we let you go, Kevin, other than your top 30, anything else that you want to uh, pimp out on the website or that uh, you guys are working on right now that we can look forward to? Yeah, I mean, this is the type of year, honestly, like I feel like the offseason going going into it is more busier than the uh... – during the season, um, typically we're, we're working on right now just kind of a summary of uh, all the affiliates that will be rolling out one by one. Um, typically how it works is um, John interviews uh, Sam Gini on every stop. So you'll get his kind of breakdown of every you know, of every team, you know, the Arizona League included, all that stuff. Um, ultimately we'll have – we'll start rolling out some content with interviews of every play-by-play guy. Um, in the system, because um, those guys probably see the players play more than anybody. Um, and then, you know, we should have our player of the year and pitcher of the year series out pretty quickly as well. Um, and then, obviously, hopefully at the Futures game, you know, we should have some coverage and content from that too. So um, the next, and then, you know, the goal is by sometime in October, November, I'll have my top 30 list done. 
Um, typically, it's the longest thing I write all year. It's like five, 6,000 words. So, um, yeah, we should have a lot of good stuff coming out here in the next couple months for people. So if you're not subscribing now, it's a good time just to do it. Four ninety five a month, or like I think it's forty bucks a year, so you won't miss it, uh, and you're basically contributing to a small business. So, yay! <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, make sure you guys go on there. Uh, you can follow him on uh, Twitter at Kevin underscore Charity. Kevin, I'm gonna put you on the spot before we let you go. How much weight have you lost on keto? I was just gonna say he's calling himself a small business now that he's keto. Yeah, uh, like twenty. I, I've been so I, you know, kind of I I went like six weeks straight with doing it. Um, and then kind of like floundered a little bit and then I've kind of got back on the wagon, but all, all, I think about 22 or 23 pounds. Um, so a lot of eggs, bacon, and occasionally a little halo top ice cream with all the hipsters out there. Nice. It's pretty good. It it tastes like a, uh, like a Wendy smooth, like those frosty things that Wendy. All right. All right. Here you go. Best halo top flavor you've had so far. Oh God, dude. Uh, red velvet. I haven't had that one yet. Yeah, Red Velvet's gross. Well, anyways, Kevin, hey, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, much, much, uh, much long-awaited uh, return to the 5.5 podcast. We appreciate it, man. Good job. Uh, have a great yeah. rest of your night. No worries. All right, great stuff from Kevin Charity. Uh, great to have him back on the show. It's been a while. Triumphant return. I Triumphant return. Didn't wish us a good night or anything like that, the <laughs> jerk, but nonetheless. Yeah. I'm really glad you asked him about Halo Top. That's that's great. I love Halo Top. Yeah. I just haven't had it in a while. Yeah, for sure. Nonetheless. Almost as good as asking uh, prospects about California burritos. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, great stuff. So, yeah, a few things uh, A few things happened since we uh, last checked in with you guys there. Obviously, I mean, we talked about the prospects being called up, which is the most exciting part about everything. Far and away. Um, but, dude, one thing that I've, I've realized, and I've, I've kind of known it for some time, but it's really hitting home uh, recently. I'm a jinx. I'm a little bit of a jinx. Yeah, that's, the been the, uh, that's been the buzz on Twitter for you the last couple of weeks is I think uh, Angela, and congratulations to those two, by the way. Yeah. But uh, I believe Angela at Bullpen Babe was pretty much saying, please stay home. Yeah. Don't come to the games. I think that's uh, I think that's when that buzz started. It has been an ongoing uh, thing, except for the uh, Urias debut. No, here's how it happened. So um, Urias' debut, he didn't get a hit. That's true. So I went to He the did game. make an amazing fucking play. Yeah, he made a great play. He got walked. He didn't get a hit, though. So the the day the next day that was the Wednesday day game I'm off on Wednesdays so I'm sitting there I'm like well they're wearing the '98 pinstripes I love those jerseys <laughs> I was like it's a day game I'm off I can go Bobby's gonna be there I'll go see what's up and hang out with Bobby Urias hits in day games yeah I was like man I I really want to go but I'm like you know what no because if I go to this game it's gonna be a shit game right we're gonna lose one to zero <laughs> Urias isn't gonna get any knocks or anything so I put on Twitter and I said hey Padres Twitter I want to let you guys know I'm taking one for the team for the greater good of Padres Twitter, and I'm not going to the game today. So I ended up not going to the game. What does Urias do? He goes three for five. He with goes a homer. Three for five with the homer. Fran Mill goes yard. They had a great game. A great game. And uh, they, they ended up rattling off. I want to say it was four wins in a row, and, and I didn't go to uh, any of them. And, uh, dude, it's my favorite thing. It was after... Uh, the game I went to, which I want to talk about next, is the uh, the Grain Beetle giveaway. I was God. there. I was there at that game. As soon as that game was over, that ruined their winning streak. So as soon as that game was over, my, my phone blew up. I had at least four or five people say, this is miserable SD fans' fault. <laughs> Fuck. And I was, 
I think that's the funniest shit ever. Like when people blame it on me for them losing when I go to the games, I I love it. So I mean, go ahead and at me all you for want. Something. At me all you want. I I love it. When I read it, dude, I laugh my ass off. But so that game, that was one of the few games that and the Urias game. I actually paid for my own ticket. I said, "Wait, you know what? what? I didn't know you did that." Yeah, I said, "You know what? Once a lot. How this many games so have you paid intriguing. for?" This is so intriguing that I want to actually go to this, and I don't have any avenues of getting free tickets, so I want to pay to go to this game. So I went to the race game. Um, the main thing, and I'll, I'll say it. I know we make fun of the the giveaways all the time. We always make fun of the giveaways. When I saw that beach hat, I was like, "Damn." I want that beach hat. Oh God! I want that beach hat. That Not was like my family's version of the uh, of the beach towel night. That was me. I was like, "Do I really want this this beach hat? Really bad." So I bought tickets for it and I went because I, I go fishing all the time. So yeah, it's a perfect fishing sense. hat. Um, so I'm sitting there and it's bad enough, dude. When Kelsey and I walk up, um, we walk up and we're getting closer and closer to the park. There's a line going around the block to get in at the front entrance and then also on the side entrance where we eventually got in. I'm like, fuck, dude, we're getting in right around the national anthem. I was like, there's probably not going to be enough beach hats left. So when, sure enough, when we get in, they're handing out vouchers. And I'm like, yeah, we weren't early enough. It's it's whatever. We have a voucher. We don't have to carry it around all game. It's fine. So then we're sitting there later. And that night, that night, I told myself, I'm like, you know what? Just me, me and my wife today. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna take my phone. I'm gonna put it in my pocket. I'm not gonna look at it no matter what. And then I'm sitting there. We're watching the game. We're having a great time. And it's later in the game. I want to say like the fifth or sixth inning. And I start seeing ushers coming up and down the aisles, confiscating the hats. Like they went up to people with these uh, plastic trash bags, and they're like pointing at the hats and like, hey, hand them over. And people are like, what the hell is going on? So it turns out, if, and you guys already know. There was, as Kevin Acey says, microscopic grain beetles that are no harm to the public. They, they bring no public endangerment, which is very similar to Mike D. Fire, getting fired story. No public <laughs> endangerment uh, for that. So they're sitting there and they're taking away. I'm just like, all right, I got to look at it. I got to look at Twitter. So I went back to ignoring my wife. Went on Twitter. I'm scrolling. I'm like, hey, I don't know if you guys are hearing about this, but this is what's going on. And I scroll the timeline and everyone's already talking about it. So yeah, they go away. And not only did they give out a, a shit ton of the vouchers, which I'm like, dude, like how many people were you expecting were going to show up? Like 50? Yeah. You know, so they're already giving out vouchers. And then on top of that, the people that did get the hats, they were going around taking the hats away from them. So just a complete nightmare. I'm pretty sure it got on Deadspin. It got on a few national websites. Just absolutely embarrassing, dude. And of course, of course, something like that happens to the Padres, dude. So it wasn't... Wasn't too embarrassing, or I mean, wasn't too surprising at all that they would embarrass themselves like that. I'm not embarrassed because it's typical hashtag LOL Padres. <laughs> it is, but I did I did go to the uh, to the team store and they got me on that 50 percent off deal. Yeah, you got that brown pinstripe. Yeah, I got yeah. the 90 the the infamous Mark Grant brown pinstripes. <laughs> well, I have a Tony Gwynn one, so it's not infamous for me. Well, did no, you get it blank. He, he always says that that's his favorite. Fuck yeah, I cut it blank. But no, I didn't know if they had like a Gwynn. What, what jersey would I get? I don't know. Maybe they had Alomar or Gwynn or something. They, they had there. Templeton. I'm like, yeah, no, sorry, nah. sorry, Tempe, no, not, <laughs> no, thanks, not doing that. But yes, yeah, so they uh, they got me on that, and uh, yeah, it was it was fun. So um, we're we're back, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week again. Uh, gave you a little little hour or so. Um, are we coming back next week? Or are we taking the week off again? Why would we take the week off? I don't know. I thought we were doing. We'll see what happens. Going with that stick. We'll, we'll see, see how it goes. Yeah, we'll can't see. say it. Can't say it. <laughs> you know what? I think it'll be good to come back next week because we can see how Mejia did. Yeah, yeah, we will. And whether he play, whether Andy plays him or not. You know, the thing with Mejia, he's the guy as a catcher. Uh, I'm okay with them not playing every single game. Well, he's got to learn the pitching staff. I think it's exactly, the toughest part. Exactly. There's a couple variables. One, he's learning a brand new pitching staff. Two, 
Catchers don't play every day anyways. So I'll be interested to see how they work in his at-bats. He's not starting tonight. He's at the ballpark, but he's not starting tonight. Um, Lucchese's on the mound, so I'm I'm fairly certainly have no experience together. But um, I'll, I'll be interested to see how Green attacks that. To Green's credit, we bashed him earlier. He's been playing Urias every single day. I would be pretty bummed, though, if, if Mejia's only getting the Sunday starts. I can understand oh, yeah. the first two games. That would be games. pointless. Yeah. That would be pointless. Even tomorrow, although I, I think you told me off air here that he's supposed to start tomorrow. He's supposed tomorrow. to play Thursday. Okay, tomorrow. Thursday. No, when? Okay, yeah, Thursday. They Excuse don't play me. tomorrow. So it's a Thursday in Cincinnati. See, I can be okay with that. Debut. Yeah, he learns some of the stuff tonight, takes the off day to really give, you know. Here's... He's also a big video guy. Is he? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Big video guy. So, uh, yeah, he's a... Uh, well, I'll be interested to see how that goes. But yeah, we'll more than likely be back next week. Um, but yeah, we're sputtering to the finish line here, guys. So uh, we appreciate you guys checking us out. Um, for 5K Dan, um, I'm Eric LeBou. We'll check in next week. We're out of here. Everybody, it's Phil Hughes of the San Diego Padres, and you're listening to the 5.5 Podcast.